This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> man. Much of this show has surrounded... Fashion. Shoes and fashion, <laughs> and we have an, an, another fashion thing to discuss here in in just a few minutes. This all started because of Zion Williamson and his shoe blowing out, and us becoming curious as to whether or not anybody really likes and is passionate about dress shoes, which became our Twitter poll of the day on Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny. That's what you're listening to. Danny Cunningham, our Wolves reporter, and Manny Hill sitting in on the show today. So we put out a poll. Is anyone passionate about dress shoes? 82% of you are saying that you are not passionate about dress shoes. That's 18% too many who are. Uh, getting plenty of responses like this one from Kelly, who says, I'm not, but I have three or four pair, and one cost $100 plus. Why Why would you spend $100 plus on, on something that you don't care about, aren't passionate about, and don't really like? No, like, I spend over $100 on pairs of shoes, but yes. I really like them. Yeah. Like, LeBron's that I'll buy or the Jordans I have, like they were well over $100 and I'm satisfied with that because I like them that much. Okay. I want to get to what you just and found also during the break in a second. Um, in the, the, the topic of us just getting off topic today. Yes. I want everyone to envision, you know, that, that gif of Jimmy Butler looking at the stat sheet, crumpling it up and throwing it in the air. Yeah. That's essentially what I've done with the rundown that Rami put together today. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it. I looked at it. I crumpled it up. I kicked my feet back and threw it in the air. I said, I know how this is going to go. I found the guy who started the, the debate today as to whether or not Zion Williamson needed Duke. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was sent to me the link was sent to me from one of our listeners uh, via Twitter at Martin Stang. Thank you, dude, for sending this our way. It's Dan Woken from uh, USA Today who isn't woke enough because he says, uh, "But before you hold up Williamson as the cause celebre for the ills of amateurism, consider the following two factors: there is practically no conceivable injury he could suffer on a basketball court that would prevent him from becoming the number one overall pick in June's NBA draft." I don't know is about that, that true, Danny? No, if he tears his Achilles, he's not getting picked first. No. Nope. Right, I wouldn't pick. I would not touch someone that that tore their Achilles, especially, especially a guy at that size. Yeah, that exactly. Big, and whose 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 movements are are that violent? His entire you know game I mean? is predicated on explosiveness. Exactly. Yeah. If you if that Achilles ruptures, I'm sorry. We you're saw off my board. we saw Joel Embiid, who should have been the number one overall pick in 2014, mm-hmm. slip down to three because he had back and foot injuries. People yep. didn't want to touch that. People were. People were a little bit concerned about that. If Zion pops an Achilles, I mean, people are going to be hesitant to want to take him number one. And the second factor that he says you should consider is that would not have been possible without Williamson's year at Duke in which he electrified the college game and put himself on a tier well above every other prospect in the world. So, okay, so are we talking like 
it was Duke specifically? Are we, is, like this is, couldn't is have happened to anywhere Duke? but Duke? Like, because Zion could go to UCLA. He could go to Clemson. He could play at Mississippi State. And he would still be anticipated as the number one overall pick in this draft. Zion would. It be, doesn't matter where he was playing college ball at. Zion would be the best player in the country if he were playing for Middle Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. I'm confident in saying and that. And could probably carry him to a pretty deep uh, tournament run. At least to the tournament. Right. Which is, for them, is a success. Ben Simmons played at LSU, which is not really a strong basketball school. It's had some not success. since Shaq. Not since Shaq. And his team didn't even make, they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. And he was the number one and pick. And he was the number one pick. And he can't even shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. The dude can't even shoot a basketball. <laughs> that's, that's a solid point. Yeah. But but to the question... Maybe of, he did need college. To the question of whether or not <laughs> Zion should should shut it down now that he did that he did suffer the injury. And, and this is something that Scottie Pippen said probably about a month ago. That and Zion, Tracy McGrady, too. That Zion, yeah, Tracy agreed with him. This was on the jump. They, said, they basically said that Zion Williamson, at that point, had already done enough to secure the number one pick in the NBA draft... So what does he have left to gain to play the rest of this season? And they said back then that he should have shut it down. And a lot of people saying that today in the wake of this injury, and I, I will say this, that, and this might just be my own personal value system speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm a really loyal guy, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I'm too loyal and, and there are ramifications for that. But for, for Zion Williamson to, to pull the plug on this season at this point, although I would understand it, as as a spectator who's watching and observing and and knows what he has to lose and okay. relatively little to gain by playing the rest of the season when he joined duke he made a commitment not to the program not to the school but to his teammates that he was that he was in this for the long haul of at least one season and let's see how far we can go it would rub me the wrong way from a personal values and moral standpoint, although I would understand it for this guy to walk away from his teammates at this point in the season. Remember when Ricky Williams retired from the NFL? That was a different story. I had no problem with Ricky Williams retiring at the age that he did. A lot of people took issue with that. The only issue that I had with Ricky Williams and the way he retired at the time was the timing of it. His team was getting ready to start training camp and had had conducted an entire offseason planning on Ricky Williams being their running back. You put him in a really bad spot when you when you bail on them and and not the Dolphins, not not the billionaire owner of the Dolphins. That's not who I'm concerned about putting in a bad spot, but your teammates and the guys who in a sense you've pledged to compete with for that season, I think there's a certain point of no return. Just in terms of doing the right thing, there's a certain point of no return, Manny, where I feel like you can't just turn your back on your teammates midway through a season and, and call it quits. Yeah, and, and I, I and I get that too because because like I mentioned earlier last hour about how Trey Jones was kind of the one who sort of orchestrated these four freshmen to come all come and play together at Duke because they they all knew each other from playing AAU ball and and all that stuff. So they all they're all very close and they have a tight relationship and all of that. So I I think if if Zion says if he heals from this injury, which is not they're saying you know, now it's, it's, a, it's a grade a, one sprain, which is best case scenario. Right. So it sounds like sounds like he's going to be day to day, and they'll probably he'll probably miss a couple of games and then come back and be fine if he wants to. It's. It seems to me like he is gonna come back and and try and play. 
I'm just saying from my perspective, if I was him, I would not play another minute. Okay, first because of all. I, because my focus, if I'm him, my focus is on the NBA. First of all, Rami, mm-hmm. don't lie. You have not been observing Duke and you have not been watching. No, not very yes, closely, which, no. Okay, Mm-mm. second of all, if I were Zion, the very next Duke home game, which I'm not sure when it is, I don't care when it is, whenever Duke's next home game is, I would be in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I would not be on the bench. I'd be sitting courtside across the court next to Rich Paul with $100 bills coming out of my pockets. That's what I would do. You'd have a $100 bill pocket square coming out of yes, your suit? Yes, yes. And I would be wearing Jordans probably because not wearing dress shoes. See, now um, that that to me is just flaunting it in your teammates' hell yeah. face. But again, what did his teammates do to deserve this? I mean, it's it's more flaunting it at... At Duke, at the at Duke, NCAA. At the NCAA. I get at, look that. how much yeah. better off I can be without you. I don't need this system. It's that. It's well, not, it's not, hey, Cam Reddish, screw you. It's, hey, NCAA. And and a lot of these guys, it's, it's just like these guys in college football that sit out bowl games. Mm-hmm. If they feel like they're there, you know, if they want to focus on playing in the NFL and getting themselves ready for the draft and the combine and, and all that stuff, and their team is. You know, now obviously, you know, if, if their team is seven and five and they're going to play in the poinsettia bowl or something like that, whatever, insert whatever random bowl game, and they want to sit that out, it's it's kind of the same thing. Now, with Zion, again, it's a little bit of a different thing because they're a top team in the country. Mm-hmm. He's He has a very tight, close relationship with these other three freshmen that are on the team. They have a chance. They have as good a chance as anybody, maybe the best chance to win the national championship, and that might be something that he wants to do. But I, if he wants to sit out the rest of the year, I totally get it, and I will not blame him one bit. I would, not one bit. I would get it. I wouldn't blame him, but there would be something about it that rubbed me the the wrong way. Not like I'd sure. be like, man, that guy's selfish. That guy. I would I wouldn't be hard I wouldn't come down hard on him but there there would be a part of me that that would that would rub the wrong way. That's just not that's not my DNA to to make a commitment to a group of guys grow, and grow close to that group of guys. Like you said, these other three freshmen on that team, those are his boys. They're tight. You and know that's what I why mean? I don't think he will sit out. And to to I I personally couldn't turn my back on that and walk out and say, "Yeah, I know I I committed to a year with you guys, but I got to go make that money." How many 100 dollar bills would it take? Because everyone's got a price. Don't tell me you don't have a price to walk away from that team because I know damn well that you do. To bail on my boys? Yeah. You got a price. And this is what, I got a price. This is one of those not, things. No, you're much. right. No, you're right. This is one of those things that I'm, I say. like 200 grand, I'm going. You can't know how you would react in that situation until you're in that situation. Well, I'm putting you in that situation. That, that type of money is not something that I can even comprehend or or... Or, or calculate or factor into trying to make a decision like that. I can't even answer your question. I'm forcing you to. That's how this game's working. That, that's how the, we are playing radio, and that's what you need to do. I asked you two questions on Raised by Wolves last week that you wouldn't answer. I don't remember what they were, but you refused then to answer. Then your argument is not valid if you can't even remember them, because the questions must not have been good. They were good questions. I don't think all, so. You all would remember my, good All ones. my questions are good questions. Not those two. Hey, uh, How real- much would it cost? For me to to bail on my guys yes. and pull the plug on the season. How many hundred dollar bills would need to be falling out of your pockets at the next Duke game while you sit courtside? There would have to be thousands of hundred dollar bills. Thousands of hundred dollar bills. Which uh, he he that's ha- attainable for Zion. Uh, 
Which, is, yeah, that's going to happen. If I You're, was on, I would have been sitting next to President Obama at that game last that's night. That's going to happen because <laughs> that's, that, I mean, the, the draft will be th- hundreds of thousands of $100 bills. So that money is laying on the table for him. And like I said, I can't tell you how I would react in that situation unless I were in it. Sitting here today, I'm telling you, it'd be real tough for me to bail on my guys like that. If I were Zion, I would have been the one that bought the $10,000 ticket on StubHub for the game last night. That's that, that's what I would have done. By the way, uh, a lot of people were talking about pre, uh, President Obama's jacket yesterday, the nice black jacket. bomber jacket with the number forty four embroidered on the side. I uh, when I when I was back in Milwaukee, I roasted Peter Fagan, the president of the Bucks, mm-hmm. and his twin brother at his birthday party, mm-hmm. and uh, I spotted his jacket hanging up in the bar, and it's the presidential seal, like the United, like the president of the United States presidential seal. Only instead of the the White House logo in the middle, it was the Bucks logo, and it said President President. It like around the you know how That's around so the edge it says you know President of the United States. It said President of Bucks Nation or something like that. It was real cool. It is a little bit corny, That's but so corny. It was real cool. You would you would do it. That's so cool. You would, I would do not it. Do yes, that. you would. Imagine Glenn Taylor walking around in that. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not how much money like, would it take for you to do how it? How many hundred dollar bills? Oh, I got a price. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mackie and Judd with Rami. We'll trade anyone who isn't folded down. How's oh, that freestyle? Top of my head. Off the dome. Well, give me another one. Charlie Coyle must be <laughs> traded by the deadline. Eric Stahl on his way to the Jets. That will be just fine. Mackie and Chud with Rami on Score North and scorenorth.com. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny. I've done it coming in and out of every break this show. It's been impressive. And uh, have not smooth. have not fumbled it once. It's a long title, and it's eaten up half the two hours that we have on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny with Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. But I've done it. We'll uh, wrap with Royce, Patrick Royce coming up at about 540. Um there's been a lot of talk about Antonio Brown on these airwaves for a couple of weeks now since since he made his trade demands and Matthew Collar got the ball rolling of of calling for the Vikings to trade for Antonio Brown regardless of how realistic or unrealistic it is. I think it's m- more realistic than some might think, but probably won't happen because you have two all-pro wide receivers already. But while we've been having that discussion, I've been saying to Judd, who usually sits in that chair you're in right there, Manny, mm-hmm. and to anybody who will listen that I don't I don't believe that Antonio Brown is necessarily the problem in Pittsburgh because if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, it seems like and Le'Veon Bell is the other high-profile one, but it seems like every time you turn around, there is some kind of friction and different controversy or drama in that locker room four or five times a season. And I think Antonio Brown is somebody who is, not to say that he's not without fault, but was kind of caught up in the middle of that and more part of the problem than the root of any problem. And today their GM, Kevin Colbert, went on the radio and said this, about Ben Roethlisberger going on radio shows and on social media and criticizing his teammates, including saying Antonio Brown should have run a route flatter and he probably should have thrown that pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Instead, Colbert said 
He's the elder statesman and the Super Bowl winner. If our players were smart, they'd listen to him because he's been there. He's done it. He can tell them, no, guys, what you're doing is not good enough. Do this. And then he talks about being the only Steeler left from Super Bowl uh, 40, excuse me, yeah, 43. He says, I honestly believe that that can be a burden on him more often than he may like to admit because he has to. He's got 52 kids under him, quite possibly. I want them to step up and say, hey, Ben, what do I have to do? Can I do this better? What do we have to do to win a Super Bowl? I think that once you win it, you've got 53 guys who can say, who can say what it took. Right now, he's the only one, so I have no problem with him. He can call me out, and that's fine. What he does, I totally respect because I see, I've seen him too many times win games and for us to come through in situations. Excuse me, he's got 52 kids under him? Under him. Thought, what? I thought we were talking about Ben Roethlisberger, not Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> well played. Very well played. Um, what Super Bowl did he win, Manny? 43. He won uh, 40 and 43, and he lost 45. Got to let me Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Manny's Super Bowl. So how long has it been since he's won a Super Bowl? It's been uh, 45 was in 2000. It's been 10 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Or 43 was like, in uh, 2009. Maybe he forgot what it takes because he hasn't won one in 10 years. So maybe you want to pump the brakes there, Kevin Colbert. Well, here's what's funny, too. All right. Ben Roethlisberger is going to go to the Hall of Fame because he's got the two Super Bowl rings and he's the numbers are the numbers are there. Play, he's played for a historic franchise and, and all of that stuff. If you look at the three Super Bowls he's played in, how many of them has he actually really like really played well in? You would know better than yeah, this. I was going to say you're asking the, the wrong one guys. Against the, the one against the Cardinals, he probably played pretty well in, but he wasn't the MVP of that game. Santonio Holmes was. That's right. a hell of a the, catch. The fir- yeah, it was the first Super Bowl that the, that the Pittsburgh Steelers won against Seattle at, in in uh, Ford Field, the Jerome Bettis send off game or whatever. Ben Roethlisberger was terrible in that game. He was terrible. Yeah. So, so he wasn't the MVP then either? No. He's never been a Super Bowl MVP. So th- this idea that he's, wow, he's won all these Super Bowls and he knows what it takes. And, well, yeah, he's contributed to those teams, but it's not like he was just the ultimate catalyst and they couldn't have won those games without him. I mean, that that's just, this notion is just, it's that's just ridiculous. And now you're starting to see that I think, from my perspective, that what's going on in Pittsburgh, to your point, Rami, is a lot deeper than just Antonio Brown Facebook streaming a post-game locker room interview by Mike Tomlin last year in the playoffs or whatever, whenever the hell it was. Well, I think those two things go hand in hand because I, I agree with some of what Kevin Colbert is saying here, which is that there probably are some things that these guys could learn from Ben Roethlisberger. Sure. He's been to the mountaintop, so to speak, and he can probably give them a few pointers on how they, as a team, can get back there. Only problem I have with it is going in front of microphones on radio shows and on social media and doing it there. Because what that does is it sets the tone of this is where we criticize each other. This this is this is where we air our dirty laundry. It's not behind closed doors. It's not in a locker room. It's not in a meeting room. It's not while we're watching film. No, we go on radio shows and tell people what our teammates are doing wrong. Which and this was a point I kept making as as the Mike McCarthy regime crumbled in Green Bay, which started with Aaron Rodgers 
going out in public criticizing and questioning his coach and his decisions because that set the tone for a whole lot of other guys to go out and air their dirty laundry in public, and that's something that's going to bring down any organization. Ben Roethlisberger, I have no problem with him criticizing teammates or advising teammates on how they can take the Steelers back to a Super Bowl, but that's something that needs to happen behind closed doors, and you can't, as a GM, say certain guys on this roster have the right to go out and do this, but other guys don't. And I know there are people out there who are going, well, yeah, but Ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger has won a Super Bowl. He's been to three of them. Okay, but that is not, and there are people on Twitter right now who have worked in this league, have played in this league, who are saying, like Lewis Riddick and Damian Woody, who are saying the same thing that I'm saying right now, which is regardless of what's what you've accomplished, that's not going to sit well with grown men in a locker room, a GM and the owners and brain trust of an organization going, yeah, it's okay for him to do that, but Antonio Brown, don't you dare. Don't you dare do a Facebook post from the locker room. Don't you dare go on a radio show and say something critical of your quarterback or of the organization. I'm a grown ass man, dude. I just yeah. saw I just saw the leader of this organization do this. And I'm not and I'm not supposed to. He see, already he already set the tone. See that that line from Colbert where he says because he has to, he's got fifty two kids under him, quite honestly. That really like you're gonna tell like and this is football, man. Like this is you're going to tell those other 52 guys in that locker room that, oh, yeah. Like, what what sort of message are you sending to those other 52 guys who I, go in and bust their tails? And those offensive linemen that are in front of Ben Roethlisberger that are getting beat up on every single play to protect him, to keep him upright? Like, I don't know, man. That That's, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, if Colbert wants a dad, just trade him for Philip Rivers. <laughs> you got dad jokes like real like at, this is my jokes about, Danny's Danny's jokes about dads man it's great this is my contribution <laughs> to this conversation <laughs> but i really I, I i just i think it's ridiculous that you're gonna put certain guys above other guys literally and say yeah. these guys are under ben roethlisberger and, 52 kids and do you man. think that's gonna cool. sit well with the those are grown ass men. They yeah. ain't one kid in that locker room. That's that's fifty three grown ass men in that locker room. Those are outrageous child support. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, I mean, that's that's fifty two guys that are going through training camp and sweating and bleeding and beating their bodies up too, just like and and trying to earn a living, just like Ben Roethlisberger is. And I just, if if I'm one of those fifty two guys, which I'm not. But if I'm if I'm one of those other fifty two guys on the Pittsburgh Steelers, that doesn't that comment does not sit well with me. Not no. at all. I wouldn't want to be part of that organization if Mm-mm. that's how the general manager views me. If he if the general manager views me as Ben Roethlisberger's child, why would I want to play there? Because that's what he said. What part of you, as a grown ass man, wants to be referred to as your quarterback's kid? You know what it reminds me of is when Kyrie few years ago got asked that question about is lebron like a father figure to you guys Mm -hmm. yeah like and Kyrie was just like no yeah like (laughs) Like i have a father figure (laughs) yeah it's my father yeah Yeah. i've got a dad (laughs) right now Kyrie doesn't have a mother right his mother passed away when he was younger but kyrie has got a dad who's very influential in his life and all of these guys most of them have fathers i'm willing to bet i mean there are are some that don't that's in any faction of life there are, are 
in every job. There are some people that don't have mothers. Some people don't have fathers. That's the case. But they don't need Ben Roethlisberger to be their father figure. They can figure it out. They got there without Ben Roethlisberger getting them there. They don't need him now. I'm sorry. And this is a Ben Roethlisberger, by the way, who has been hinting at retirement every year for like the last three years. Right. And let's not act like Ben Roethlisberger is the best character out there either. Like he's had, he's had a few incidents himself. He's not a model citizen. This was uh, Lewis Riddick of ESPN, a couple of tweets that he put out, probably saying what I'm saying, but more eloquently, so I'll just read his words. He says, referring to the other 52 players on the Steelers as Roethlisberger's children is as bad of an analogy as a GM could make when describing the QB as the leader. That's utterly ridiculous. I don't agree with how AB conducted himself, but I sure do better understand now Wow. As a former professional player, I can tell you this. I had the utmost respect for the leaders on the teams I played for, but I never looked at myself as being, quote, under them, and they never made me feel that way. What a bunch of poop emoji that whole situation <laughs> sounds like. That's Lewis Riddick. The uh, fact that you had to read poop, poop emoji. emoji. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Twitter age, man. That's that's the time. Those are the times that we're in, Danny. I want a team to put out a formal statement at some point with a poop about emoji. Not, not even poop. Uh-huh. Just an emoji. <laughs> like, I want an emoji and a statement. Just all emojis? Yeah, what if No, they, I just need, like, one. No, no, oh, I, like, one? I like Maddie's idea better. I like an entire statement spelled out completely in emojis, like hieroglyphics, and, and we're just left to try and interpret it. Could you imagine if, when the Wolves put out the statement relieving Tom Thibodeau of his duties, if the poop emoji would have been in there? <laughs> just put Tom Thibodeau, poop emoji, trash can. There you go. Tom Thibodeau. I mean, it, it could have been, been bleep like, canned. To, to, <laughs> today we have relieved Tom Thibodeau of his duties. <laughs> the season the season went rather poop emoji so far. You gotta have toughness. I think it was <laughs> gotta be solid, man. You don't want that you don't want any of that soft stuff. That's <laughs> Can't be soft. Can't be soft. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Com- a lot of toughness to our team. Completely, completely off the rails. This Still show a lot is of going. Toughness down the stretch, man. Danny, you don't just have poop jokes and dad jokes. So you brought some fashion sense to uh, the Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny show today, including. And I just wanted to touch on this real quick before we talk with Patrick Royce. You found a picture of Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. I got to go find that again. Um, and he, you said he's wearing Jenkos. Do you know? Are you sure? Okay. Look at his jeans those, and tell me those aren't Jenkos. Those are Jenkos because nobody has worn Jenkos since at least. Okay. Pump the brakes on nobody. 19, Michael Jordan has. 1998. <laughs> Michael Jordan has for sure worn them since then. Like for sure. Who is wearing Jenkos in 2019? Assuredly, it's not maybe the richest athlete on the face of the planet and one of the greatest icons of a generation. I can, you cannot assuredly say that. <laughs> Those can't be Jankos. I mean, in this picture, I don't know if they are, but Michael Jordan is wearing what looks to be like a, a really poorly designed suit jacket. Uh-huh. And the sleeve, I mean, he's a bigger guy and he's... Let's be honest, he's put on a little bit of weight since mm-hmm. his playing sure. days. He's not in the, the shape he once was, which is okay. Um, he's eating at Michael Jordan's Steakhouse a bunch, I'm sure. Good. Um, I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. And the sleeves are like, the end of the sleeves, like normal suits look nice at the yeah. end of the sleeves. These are like, 
if sleeves could be boot cut, that's what these would be. Like picture, picture boot cut Janko jeans, but the sleeve of a suit. That's what he's wearing. How is he? I've not. I don't think that there's anyone that is as rich as him with as much street credit as him. That wears that has such a terrible sense of fashion. Like the man looks like he gets dressed in the dark. He's he's had some really good shoes, but in like the past twenty years, his shoes have all been really crappy. I'm going to be honest with you. He's not put out a good shoe in like twenty years. Twenty years, you think? Yes. I don't know. I the, I'd, I'd have the to Air look Jordan through. Thirteen was probably the last good Air Jordan okay. in my opinion. All right. Um, the retros are great, but like the, the current models that are out now are trash. Um, so like, how do you dress this bad? <laughs> Do you think he has a stylist who's just he's bad at their do a good job? job? Or do you think the this stylist is just, doesn't do a good or job? Do you think if, he if needs he a stylist? Does he have a bad stylist or does he need a stylist? Either way, he needs all. a new one. Okay. What's your favorite pair of Jordans ever? Elevens. For it's the my, best basketball shoe ever. For mine, it was the six. Eh, I'm not crazy about the six. Oh, I, I like the. Six. I like the one. I don't like the two. I like the three. I like the four. The five's okay. The six is okay. The seven's okay. The eight's trash. The nine is. I like the nine. I like the 10, love the 11, the 12's okay, the 13's okay. All right, there's the Danny's breakdown garbage. of the uh, the Pantheon. The, anything after the 13's <laughs> are pretty much garbage. Uh, one more quick update on our poll. Maybe I'll get one more update before we wrap things up at 6, but uh, almost 150 votes. 83% of you are not passionate about dress shoes, yet somehow that's an industry that's still alive and thriving because you've been told that you should wear dress shoes. Gross. Let's, let's just stop that. I'm telling you not to. <laughs> We're telling you you don't have to. We're alleviating you of ever wearing dress shoes again. We'll talk with Patrick Royce, rap with Royce, right after this on Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny. The Rami part is here. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass and joining us now on the show. You can catch him with a new Royce Unchained every Monday at scorenorth.com and at 6 o'clock. On 1500, he is Patrick Royce. Pat, how are you this evening, sir? Well, we're uh, pretty depressed down here. Why is that? Fort Myers, Nick Cafardo, uh, the uh, great baseball writer at mm. Boston Globe, who we've all seen in the last week, uh, died to the uh, embolism and uh, was over at JetBlue Park. And, uh, you know, when the news came out, the Red Sox, I guess the Globe announced it about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Great guy and a really... Really good reporter, and because the Twins and the Red Sox, uh, Fort Myers here, we uh, we see him quite a bit, and uh, and I've known him for a lot of years, going back to the you know, mid '90s when he was the Globe baseball writer. He covered the Patriots for a while, and then switched back to baseball and wrote the famed Sunday notes column in the Boston Globe, the baseball one that Peter Gammon started way back when, which kind of started the whole. Newspaper Sunday notes phenomenon that lasted for years and years, but uh, you know it's uh, it's uh, Labelle ran into him this morning at breakfast, and uh, I, I saw him a couple of days ago when I was out at the Boston Complex, and we talked for a while. And uh, yeah, it's just you know, boom, sixty-two years old. Wow. Hmm. Not uh, not a good uh, not a good day. Nick was one of those guys, you know. Uh, so, uh, the newspaper business. Uh, we, we all have our moments of panic, uh, deadline and everything, uh, back in the day anyway. And he, he was a completely calm guy, but you always knew that he had something, you know, that he had something to write. Uh, you know, a lot of us 
somewhere along the line, you end up writing nothing, you know, because you got to get something in, so you write nothing. And uh, he always had seen, Nick always had something. And that's, uh, you know, very good analytical mind for baseball. His last piece was, uh, I think it ran this morning in the Globe on Steve Pierce, and now at age 35, he become a analytical phenomenon in baseball. So anyway, that's a sad deal today. And so... Anywho. How, how long was he at the Globe, Pat? Oh, 20-some years, you know. I'm, I'm not sure where he, uh, when he became, you know, I think he started covering baseball maybe 90, 91, and then, uh, as I said, went to, and so become their baseball columnist. You know, they don't, uh, the Globe doesn't cover baseball like the rest of us. <laughs> they have a, uh, you know, they have a traveling baseball columnist as well as a traveling beat writer and, uh, and uh, and you know Nick would be come to all of the series in in Minnesota, and then as I said, we'd see him down here because the Twins play the Red Sox about eight times or something. So, and uh, Lavelle said he saw him this morning, and he said, "Hey, how's Rocco? I'm going to go see Rocco tomorrow or the next day." Wow! So sad deal there for uh, yeah. for the baseball righty guys. So anyway, he was uh, he was a good guy. So the uh, Goofers, uh, what are they? They're making Michigan base three for twenty-two on threes again tonight, huh? And they might be able to beat them. Possibly, but yeah. Wasn't I that mean, what they were? Wasn't that what they were at Michigan three for twenty-two on threes, something like that? So. I, I was just thinking about that long scoring drought they had in the second half of that Michigan game, or any any game that they've had really since the midway point of the season in Big Ten play, at least. I tell you what, gentlemen. Big Ten basketball is close to unwatchable. <laughs> You're not going to get a disagreement out of me, Patrick. I was in a uh, I was in a restaurant bar last night by myself, and the the Ohio State Northwestern game was on, and I couldn't quite tell how much time was left in the first half, but it was like five or six, one of the two. I couldn't see what the number was. But Northwestern had eight points, and they were still in the game. It was like 15 to 8. What the hell is going on here? Peru, which looked like it was the best team in this conference, has to tip on in at the buzzer the other day to win without 50 points. What, 49-47, something like that. What is going on? It's, it's incredible how many rotten games there are. You know, the old Wisconsin style of basketball is yeah. taking over the, you know, the last 10 or 11 teams in the league, man. You know, you know what's funny, Pat? I was just on YouTube the other day. I just came across when uh, Michigan State played Wisconsin in the Final Four when Dick Bennett took the Badgers to the Final Four in 2000. I forgot that game was 19-17 to 17 at halftime. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. You know what? He, he turned around. Wisconsin basketball traditionally had been horse bleep. There might be people who don't realize that this Bo Ryan, this is like a 20-some-year phenomenon. They were always mutts. They were terrible. And uh, and he came in, and uh, he they won, but you couldn't watch it. It was, you know, it, it was horrible. And uh, he took him to the Final Four, and he's a hero over there. But, man, he, he helped ruin Big Ten basketball, I think. While we're on the subject of uh, college basketball, Pat, did you catch your uh, your Duke Blue Devils last night and Zion Williamson going down with the injury? Boy, did they uh, did 
they fade after the last game. Wow. At home, they... What? And you know what? North Carolina made what? Three threes, I think. They two, were like... Two for, 20. For, 20. Two two for 20. Two for 20. Two for 20 on threes, and they killed them. Yeah. So uh, I guess the uh, boys uh, were... The Dukies were a little deflated. Now, as much as I hate Duke, I want to see uh, Williamson play. So that hopefully... What do we say today? They're still trying to say that it's just a... Mild sprain. Yeah, they said it was. Uh, they said it was a grade one sprain, which is best case scenario with uh, with how it looked at the time. But here on the Mackie and Judd with Rami minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny show, it spurned a conversation. Not necessarily. Well, we did talk about all the the issues that that go into the Zion Williamson injury and whether or not he should play, whether guys should be paid, blah blah blah. They should have to go to high school. But the overriding conversation was uh, shoes after he blew out his shoes. And uh, we came to the conclusion, Pat, that nobody likes dress shoes, that people only wear them because they feel like they have to in certain situations. We put a poll out asking if anyone was passionate about dress shoes. 82% are saying no. Are you a dress shoes or a sneaker guy, Pat? Uh, I rarely uh, wear sneakers because I don't like to tie shoes. So I have a, uh, I have kind of a soft version of a of a shoe down here that I uh, can just slide on and then I gotta and then I'll wear loafers uh, down here once in a while you know uh, no pennies in them but I'll, I'll wear a I'll wear a loafer once in a while but I I'll wear tennis shoes once in a while but not too often you I just gotta bend you, over. I don't want to bend over and tie them. You just gotta keep them tied really loosely so that the laces don't flap yeah, everywhere, and, and then I slip them trip. on. At my age, I might trip, hit my head. Oh, there's a science <laughs> to it. You know? Yeah, I can't be taking those risks. You can fall down and get back up again. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell you something, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, when you get to be over seventy years old. Uh, you get a lot of solicitations on the telephone from people trying to get you to buy one of those alarms, you know, that to save your life when you fall down. Yeah, the life alert. alert. Life alert. Life alert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They uh, they they won't leave you alone, man. They're uh, they're uh, they're driving you crazy about every. <laughs> I get about three calls a day. Wanting uh, to, you know. We know you're a fat old SOB. You need to have life alert here, buddy. Uh, unbelievable. All senior citizens should have life alert, Pat. You know that. You know the I slogan. I had the other day that was very impressive. Somebody called me up and told me my XSL energy bill hadn't been paid and that they were going to cut off our heat, and my wife had just flown home, and it was like 80 below zero. And, uh, but... My XL Energy is paid, you know, one that's automatically. Right, know? sure. So I, I knew that something was going on, but when I dialed the number, that you know, after I hung up, when I dialed the number, it actually, they had it set up so that the call went back to an XL Energy number. But it was a scam, but it was oh, but the scams. Wow. The scams have now become so dignified that if they get a, somebody just a little more senile than me, <laughs> and we call back, you know, and we call back, and we get the XL Energy number, and uh, and then I say, I'm going to freeze to death. So, uh, yeah. So I talked to somebody there, and apparently this has become a popular scam now. That, so watch out out there. Convince, in the, they're uh, trying to convince people to uh, to uh, send them a check for your XL Energy bill as they cut your heat off. So. <laughs> 
The uh, Pat, the uh, Twinks apparently have some interest in Marwin Gonzalez. Does he do anything for you? Marwin Gonzalez, except that Mike crossed my guy Willie Ostadio his spot on the roster. That we we can't have that. We can't have that. Are you with me? Are you going to boycott this season, Pat? If if Ostadio doesn't make the final well, roster, I got a couple of outfits, so I can't really. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't really boycott. I am boycotting the opener, though. If they have a game where an opener is pitching, I'm not going. <laughs> really? You're that against the opener? You're that against the concept of an opener? Listen, communism, if, if communism <laughs> were to take over this country, it wouldn't be as bad as the opener. The opener, as I said to Rocco at his opening press conference, I suppose you're in favor of the opener that is ruining baseball as we know it. <laughs> You think they'll, do you think they'll use it that much, though, Pat? I'm not getting the sense they'll use it a whole lot. Well, the Twins, I don't think are going to try to start that way. But, uh, you know, Tampa, I, you know, I had that quote from Kevin Cash. He said, we used 31 pitchers last year. We might use 41 this <laughs> So, you know, well, the Twins used 30 last year, but that's because 18 of them stunk. Uh, you know, this, or 24 of them stunk. But, uh Tampa did it to win games, so it's item. Pat, we got to run. We uh, we thank uh, you though for your time. We'll talk again tomorrow. See you tonight. That's Pat Royce again. Check out Royce Unchained and Unchained. Easy for me to say every Monday. You got the name of the show North. right all day. Dot and you com. That and then up. I messed up Royce Unchained. I'll be doing uh, Royce Unchained with Pat on Monday. Actually. Oh, nice! It'll be me and Pat a little uh, ride with Royce reunion there. Awesome! So, you can uh, hear him compare the opener to communism. The beer show is coming up next here on Score North on fifteen hundred. That's Manny Hill. That's Danny Kent. Danny Cunningham. Jonathan Harrison on the other side of the glass. This has been the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. Minus Mackie and Judd plus Danny and Manny. We're back tomorrow at 4. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.